recent sermons have been about family and about a youthful vigor for life. And long ago, uh, I guess last year at some point in time, we were talking about holiness. The idea of holiness. What is holiness? Holiness is, is being set apart from what is common to serve God's purpose. So you take something, you make it holy, it's going to... God has something in mind for it, the way it should be and, and what the purpose is that it should serve. So I want to take those uh, recent sermons and apply them to holiness. Uh, and I think I can make this statement, and I would say that we are set apart by being a family. So we're set apart from what is common by being a family. Not all churches are like that. Uh, I think as you read God's word, we understand that God's word indicates that the church is to be a family. A family that is together, filled with love, helping one another, encouraging one another, um, at, at times disciplining one another. It is family. That is what scripture declares for us, and that is how when we come together, we truly are a family, and that sets us apart from the world who doesn't have this family. So, and not all churches achieve this very well, and certainly there are ways that we can, uh, to, we can be set apart by being a family. We can do this much better. So the idea, though, is that this is one of the things that makes us holy, is that we are a family. So the Christian faith at large... Well, it's filled with all sorts of beliefs, all kinds of churches, all kinds of practices, all kinds of uh, groups and whatever. And so I think one of the things that I want to set us apart, and this is not saying that every church, other church fails at this, but, but we're set apart because we focus on being the family of God. We want to be a tight-knit, loving family, helping each other to grow in Christ. So that, that brings the question then, well, how are we different? Are we different in other ways? How is our church, how is our group that meets here, Garrett Street Church of Christ, how are we different? Um, if we're different in some way, if we're set apart from other churches, then the question comes, well, are we right? And this, that is a little bit of the agenda today is discussing this, this rightness and how to know what is right. So we're asking, how is the church holy? What is it that sets us apart? So we're set apart by being a family. I would also then add, uh, related to the sermon the last two weeks, is that we're set apart by our youthful vigor for life. Even if we uh, are older, we're going to have a youthful vigor for life. When we are younger, we're going to have a youthful vigor for true life that is in Christ and not just focused on things that are uh, unimportant. You know, you can have a, a youthful vigor, but is it for the life that is in Christ? We recognize that Jesus is with us, and he has salvaged our broken lives and sent the Holy Spirit to live within us and flow forth from us. That is what Scripture tells us, and if that is true, then we should be flowing forth with life. Um, and we don't let things dampen that when there's a truck in our parking lot and when the auditorium is cold. 
You know, it's funny what, you know, it seems like we can handle kind of a few things at a time. Then when a couple things start hitting all at once, you're like, oh, you're kidding me, you're kidding me, and it hits us. But no, as Christians, as believers in Jesus and having the Holy Spirit within us, we say, all right, I can do this. I can go on. I can be filled with life. I can handle this. I can do all things. I can handle all things through Christ who strengthens me. So those are two ways that we're set apart related to what we've just been talking about kind of naturally over the last couple of weeks. We are set apart by being a family, a family of God. We are set apart by our youthful vigor, love for life, love for Christ in our lives, the Holy Spirit at work within us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those things, they're flowing forth from our lives. And now I want to suggest that both of those two things that we just looked at, they're based upon Scripture. If we're going to be set apart, if we're going to be holy, it's always going to be based upon Scripture. And this is really one of the things that we are set apart by. Um, my natural way of thinking about this or saying this would, was um, that we have a very high view of Scripture. So when we, when I preach, when we talk, when we discuss ideas and things, all things scriptural, um, all things dealing with God, we go to scripture. We talk about, well, what's the, there's a thus saith the Lord. If there's not a thus saith the Lord, then, then we really don't know. We turn to scripture. We look at book, chapter, and verse. We want to know, why do we think this? Why do we do this? I would generally kind of say that that's, we have a very high view of Scripture. Now, as I turn, and that's not biblical language. That's kind of the way I think. And so the Scripture that we are going to look at to discuss this is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 13 and into chapter 4. So starting in 2 Timothy chapter 3, be turning there. We got to have, we're talking about the book. We're set apart because we love the book. So have the book in front of you. Have your Bible open in your Bible app, whatever you're using, a device, it doesn't matter. We're just opening up the Bible today. And so, based upon this scripture, this is one of the scriptures that helps us develop what I would call a very high view of scripture. And I certainly don't think we don't worship the scripture, right? So there are other things that we view as higher. We look at God. God is the one we worship. But we have a, such a high view of Scripture, a wonderful view of respect for Scripture, because it's the only way we can know the truth about God. We love God, so what teaches us about Him? It's, it's His Word. It's the very Scriptures. So based upon 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 13 and following... I have written this as my statement for what makes us holy. We are set apart, or we are holy. We are set apart because we continue to learn and follow Scripture, which is the very Word of God. Or very words of God, if you prefer to think of it that way. It's the very Word of God. It's His Word. That's why we... Hold it so highly, and we continue to learn and follow it. And so look at verse 13 is where we'll start, and there's context before this, I know. 
But in verse 13 says, But evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So now this, in the context we're going to see, is that this, the idea is that the deceivers are going forth and they're sharing untruths. That's what deceivers do. And pull people away from a knowledge of God. The true knowledge of God. Seek Deceivers turn, seek to turn people from the truth. My jacket. <laughs> Do we have enough blankets today? You're always, thanks, thanks for the blankets, right? It's probably, I don't know what the temperature is. It's cold. But we're warm inside. Um, we're talking about the truth. And notice, I have italicized in your notes the word the. The truth. That's what deceivers do. It's, it's Satan showing up in the garden and saying, Did God really say? Is that really right? You know, just deceiving. He is the deceiver. Look at chapter 4, now verses 3 and 4. It says, For the time will come... When people, they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. There is a truth. There is the truth. And that is what we have here. That is why we are making sure that we are not deceived. We hold this very highly. We hold it very closely to us, the very word of God, because we want to make sure that we are not deceived. And there are deceivers everywhere. If they were deceiving in the early church, those lies get started, those untruths start to propagate, and you can just imagine how it goes and goes and goes. If the Word of God was being attacked all the way back then, we certainly know by now it's like, well, how can we even trust what we have? That should be our mindset. How can we know that what we have is true? We must ask those questions, and uh, this isn't the topic for this lesson, but boy, we have got great reasons to believe that the word of God has been handed down to us properly and accurately. And what we have here is truth. So now as I consider all of Christianity, and I think there are all kinds of people who believe all kinds of things, and they say this and that, and this group and that group, and how can you know the truth? How can you know who is right? Such a bizarre question, isn't it? How can you know? Well, you turn to the truth. You start here. You don't start by listening to me. You don't start by listening to somebody else. You start by digging into the word. Be responsible. Deceivers come and seek people to turn, turn people away from the truth. So it is our duty to seek the truth and make sure that we have the truth. We are set apart in that regard. And that's what the rest of this lesson is really about. Continuing on in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, verses 14 and 15, says, You, however, 
continue. So after talking about the deceivers deceiving and being deceived, you, however, wait, did I start the right verse? Yeah, 14. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become, and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So that's why I said, you know, this is part of what sets us apart, is because we continue to learn and to follow Scripture, to follow truth. That's what we're doing. We continue to learn from Scripture. It's the only source, as this verse then says, for wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. If you want to be saved, you've got to turn here and learn how. Anything that's not coming from Scripture, not in Scripture, is to be rejected. We aren't going to listen to the deceivers. We're going to continue in what we have learned to be true, and we're going to stay in it, learn it, and follow it. Galatians is a beautiful passage of of the warning. And Galatians was uh, actually probably written a little, little while before Timothy was. One of the first books, one of the first letters penned by Paul, after he had gone to uh, the churches and preached the truth, then he has to write this letter later. And he says in verse number 6, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Deceivers, right? Deceivers, come. Verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now. If any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. Deceivers come. They seek to turn people from the truth, but we continue to learn from Scripture. We continue to seek the truth because it is the because it is the only source of uh, wisdom that can save us. Um, and notice in Galatians when he says somebody's they're teaching you another gospel, a different gospel. Well, they were taking elements of the truth, the gospel, and adding to it, taking away from it. You got it. No, you, well, that's okay, but you also have to do this. You also have to do this. And what that does is pull people away from the truth, and they are going to be lost because that other gospel is not really another gospel. It is not good news. It is not good news that is able to save you. So we are going to dig in and search the truth. Because if we stray from it, if we do things that are not uh, okayed in this good book, then we're doing things that are contrary 
to what leads to salvation. Anything not in Scripture is to be rejected. Now, verse 16. 2 Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is inspired by God. Or God breathed as the King James, maybe some of the other translations too. Literally what it is, it's God breathed. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. All scripture. All scripture. Now when Paul wrote that, I have this... uh, uh, I believe that when he said all scripture, he was talking about the the things that were written, the sacred writings, verse 15 mentioned. The sacred writing, that's the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, the poetry, what we have uh, in our Old Testament. That's what he was probably thinking about as he wrote that. Now we also call our New Testament books scripture. We look at them as sacred writings. And so... I believe that they also can be included now in this thought of all Scripture is God-breathed. Here's the reason why. All of these books from Matthew to Revelation. Well, Jesus instructed his apostles. Jesus never wrote anything down, right? But Jesus instructed his apostles. As you flip back to Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, he had already said that he had authority over all things, had been the authority had been given to him. And so in verse number 20 then, he tells his, his apostles, tells them, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus instructed his, he said, I have authority, verse number 18. And then he says, so my instruction is, go tell them everything. That I have commanded you. So the apostles went forth and did that, right? Be no church today if they hadn't been faithful in that. They went preaching and teaching. And they wrote down some things. And even uh, Peter, one of the apostles, wrote some things down. He endorsed Paul. Because you might, there are people who say, well, Paul came along later. He wasn't one of the 12 apostles. Um, he claimed to be kind of an apostle added at a later time, but I don't know if we can trust him. Well, we should and we must trust Paul and what he wrote. And the reason why is because the apostle Peter gave him a great endorsement. So in 2 Peter chapter 3, chapter 3, verse number 14, Peter is writing about some things. And then in verse 15, he mentions Paul and re- And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom, wisdom given him from the Lord, I would add, that, you know, it came from somewhere. Paul said it was from the Lord. So, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the scriptures, 
to their own destruction. And I don't know how long ago it was that I learned that, that somebody pointed out to me that the rest of the scriptures, Peter's writing, he's saying that there's some people, some of the deceivers come along with Paul's writing, and Paul's, some of Paul's stuff's hard to understand, and other people, so the deceivers come along and they distort it. They want to turn people from the truth, to use our language from 2 Timothy, as they do the rest of the scriptures. So by talking about Paul's writings, and this is Peter speaking, he says, all right, you got Paul's writings here, and then you got the rest of the scriptures. He is saying Paul's writings and the rest of the scriptures, they tried, deceivers try and distort them all. But the Paul's writings are equivalent to the other scriptures. He puts them on the same level because they're both attempting to distort them. The rest, as they do the rest of the scriptures, he equates Paul's writings with scripture. It is from God. It is scripture. Um, so as I'm going through the outline, the instruction has been passed to us in the New Testament. That included Paul's writings, whom Peter endorsed, 2 Peter three fifteen through 16, and equated Paul's writings with the rest of scriptures. Now the last part here. The apostles spoke the very word of God. This is true for Paul. It was true for Peter. It was true for all the apostles. They spoke the word of God. So from now let's go back to 1 Thessalonians. And this is a neat passage, and we're going to follow up with this with another comment. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 13. Paul writing here. Paul, who was endorsed, by the way, by the Apostle Peter and by Christ himself. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God. So when I or any other preacher or any other person, when we talk and we make comment about Scripture and what it is, that's words of men. That's just a human speaking. But when I turn here and I look down and I start reading, that is the very Word of God. Paul wrote it, but Paul is acknowledging it is the very Word of God. When you receive the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God. It is to be trusted. We can know that these words that they shared, just as they were instructed and commanded by Jesus to go preach the, the word and share that word and to teach all people, they did it, and they were sharing the very words of God. So all Scripture is God-breathed. It's all the Word of God. And there are some things we can talk about, translations and, uh, and errors that might have entered based upon scribes making some errors. Those things are fine, but what we have, we can trust. 
And we look at different translations and we compare them. You can go back and dig in the meanings of words and so forth. But you can trust that we have the very words of God. Now, moving on. Verses 16 and 17 taken together. We've mentioned all scripture. Is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. And we hold this scripture high, and we're set apart by that because we know that scripture is what makes us adequate. It makes us ready. It makes us equipped so that we can go do what God wants us to do. We recognize that some people can know every, every word in this book and still be lost. But we recognize that this wonderful book that we hold so highly and so dearly, they have the words. And here is the very word of God that can change us and teach us and let us know how we are to live and what we are to do. So we don't just kind of learn it because we love it so much. We learn it because we love God. We continue in it because we are seeking God. We, we study it daily because we want to know what God has done for us in Christ Jesus and how then we will live for him. We hold and esteem this book because it teaches us what to do. Notice in First. Uh, uh, Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 13. Um, at the very end, I didn't read this part. After it said, which is, it was, you received it not as the word of men, but the word, what it is really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. If you believe it, you put it into practice and do it. The word of God is alive and active and it work is it at work within you. It makes us adequate and equipped. Consider John chapter 66. Um, this is the uh, a wonderful place, a difficult passage when Jesus was challenging his followers. And uh, a bunch of people left. Um, John 6, starting um, verse, verse number 66. It says, As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the twelve, You do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And friends, for us, we consider where else shall we go? Jesus has given, shared his words with his apostles. They've handed them down faithfully to us, or to, it was to, to people and others. They were written down, and through thousands of years, they've been handed down faithfully trustfully to us where else shall we go we love this word we want to be saved 
We don't trust deceivers. We don't trust men. We don't trust our preacher. We say, all right, I heard him say something. Did he back it up? Where is it in the good book? We're set apart because we continue to grow into, we continue to learn and follow scripture, which is the very word of God. We hold it dearly. And in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus, uh, when tempted by the devil, he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by some of the words from the word of God. Nah. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We hold this word highly and dearly. We continue in it because we want to know every word. That sets us apart. Not everybody does that. And there was a time when, uh, uh, when people, um, I, I've heard this said, when um, if somebody had, uh, when, you know, lots of Christians all across the land, and uh, less so now, but there was a time in when people would say, well, I, what's that? I, what, I don't remember that Bible verse, or what's the Bible say about this? And, and people would say, well, ask, ask him. He goes to the Church of Christ. He knows. They'll know. They know the book. That's who we are. That's who we want to be. We want to know God's word, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And in chapter 4 of uh, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 3. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. So this is serious stuff. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, and with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when when they will not endure sound doctrine but wanting to have their ears tickled they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths so we continue to proclaim to preach to share the word of god we share this word it can accomplish everything that is mentioned here. We can help people fix their lives, get right with God, show them the only way to salvation. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. If we want people to know the Father someday, if we want them as well as us to go to heaven, then we search the truth. We proclaim that truth. We share that truth. And that is sound doctrine. Doctrine that's firm, trustworthy. Doctrine just means teaching. It's not anything complex. We dig in, we learn the book, and then we have sound doctrine. We can teach because we can point people where they need to go and how to understand God's word. So this is who we are. We are set apart because we continue to learn and follow Scripture, which is the very Word of God. 
There is a group of people who serve as an example to us of this. They're found in Acts chapter 17. Still is uh, an encouraging a picture, a portrait of people who are who we want to be and who we are. This was Paul going around preaching. He had been in Thessalonica, um, had problems there. They ran him off. Uh, Then in Acts 17, verses 10 and 11, it says, The brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. So when Paul comes into town, he starts preaching to this group of Jews who didn't yet know Christ. They go to Scripture to find out if what Paul was saying was true. It's the only way to know the truth. These people were set apart because they were continuing to learn and to follow Scripture. And they viewed it as the very Word of God. That's who we want to be. That's who we are. This is how we are set apart from other churches. This is how we must always be. If there's anybody here today who's not in Christ, then the call and the invitation is for you to be set apart with us. Be a part of this body that is set apart from the rest of the world. Search truth with us. Find truth. And when you find the truth, you find Christ Jesus. And when you find Christ Jesus, you find the way, the truth, and the life. You find love and joy and peace. Come to Jesus. Give your life to Him. Find us. Let us know if you are ready to make that commitment to Christ. We encourage you to come to Him. And it is Him who we remember now in our Lord's Supper.